Whether you keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs, these are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. Reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. Boom! What is going on, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And I'm Robin. I'm creeping a reel. And I'm super stoked. This is episode 112. We are we are well off into the hundreds, and I'm pretty, pretty happy about that. Dude, tonight's episode is gonna be mint. It is, and I'm also super excited because we uh are officially on the Reptile Podcast, the Reptile Talk Podcast YouTube channel, uh, which is great. I, I set up our own YouTube channel. Um so hopefully people will find us. People have been finding us. We've been getting subscribers and, and all that stuff, which is great. Um, so I'm stoked. So thank you to everybody that is already here and uh, checking in either on Facebook or on YouTube. If you are on Facebook, go jump over to the Reptile Talk podcast uh, YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, we'll be doing all the same stuff just uh, just based over there because I'm trying to do more YouTube content for my own and uh algorithmically live streams and scheduled content just clash algorithmically so um bam that is what is going on how are you rob you were I'm just doing pretty good you were just playing with box turtles weren't you? i i i was so <laughs> my neighbor I, there's there's like a one box turtle that kind of lives in my little i live on a dirt road and uh there's a box turtle that kind of lives around here and especially on rainy days because today it was like torrentially downpouring yeah. this one box turtle is just like trucking around the neighborhood <laughs> and uh so when i got home from work a couple minutes ago uh my neighbors were like hey you want a turtle and i was like i don't really want a turtle but i'll come look at a turtle <laughs> <laughs> and uh so i went over there and it was a female eastern box turtle she looked pretty nice and uh she was digging a hole in their driveway to look for a place to lay eggs and i'm like this is kind of a little bit weird but uh so we just moved her off to the side and uh yeah she's pretty cool heck yeah let her do her thing and then i went herping uh, like pretty close to where i live uh, this past week and saw three copperheads in one day i was like so hyped (laughs) also mind you guys almost bit me (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) no rob no just, I know. Just say no. <clears throat> now, mind you, this is for everybody who has been paying attention to the podcast since Rob and I moved to the Carolinas. There was a length of time where Rob found zero copperheads and he was very upset. Now we have upgraded to finding three in one day. Yes. So <laughs> finally, finally, I, I think Rob has found his happy place. <laughs> and, and you know, what's crazy. I spend so much time like hiking trails and in the middle of the woods and uh i didn't see any copperheads and then i went to this little walkway that's right next to a police station and between a police station and a gas station and a chinese food shop and this walkway's got tons and tons of people walking up and down it copperheads out out the wazoo they're they're everywhere yeah that that, those were the i saw i've seen five copperheads there now in in the span of a couple weeks (laughs) oh my gosh yeah that's it dude (sighs) You know, I think we've we've been around long enough on out like going out field herping to know that like it'll be those places where you edge find habitat. But yep. every single time, it's shocking. Yeah, and you're like, why? Why here? Why? Like, There's people could've... right there. <laughs> you could be in the woods away from all of this horrible society. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It just it makes zero sense. Yeah. But uh, something that does make sense, though, is tonight's podcast. Red line <laughs> shipping. <laughs> I'm super I'm super stoked uh, that we've got Robin from Redline here with us. Um, we're going to talk about a bunch of different stuff. Obviously, Redline shipping, Redline science. Um, but a lot of so a lot of people know Robin because of Redline especially mm-hmm. people who, who have just been getting into the industry over the last couple of years. But uh, what I will say is Robin's history in herpetoculture is quite extensive. Uh, and he's been part of some groundbreaking uh, breeding projects over the years. Um, was a part of a company for those of us who, uh, who know pro exotics from back uh, in the day, the OGs. back in the day. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, there was, there was stuff happening at pro exotics that, it was literally happening happening nowhere else in the yeah. country and if you uh, like Thracia, you have these guys to thank <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and uh man so it's it's just it's a treat i, I got to meet robin uh person in in person uh not that long ago and uh and it's just a genuine really genuine human being and a very nice guy and uh just recently got to hang out with him and a bunch of other reptile people uh here in north carolina because he came out here and uh, it was just fun hanging out, talking reptiles. And I'm like, I, we got to get this guy on the freaking podcast, man. Like, there's so much to talk about. So without further ado, let's get him in here. Bam, what is going on? Boom. <laughs> How you doing? You know, Thanks man. for having me on. Hell Heck yeah. yeah, man. Thank you for joining us, dude. Yeah, when Jeremy told me that we we're going to have you on, I was like, oh, there's so many things that I want to ask you about. <laughs> There's, yeah. a lot of, uh, there's a lot of history there i guess so yeah yeah, yeah. as someone who is like really into bloods and short tails i just remember going to the old pro exotics website and just seeing the yes. picture holding the middle of that giant one and just being like holy <laughs> crap that thing is freaking massive and looking at all the stripe pictures and all just so many different things from back then that just like inspired me to want to get further and further and further into you know working with bloods and short tails and, and all the other species that i've worked with you know it's still one of my favorite species today i you know i have a special affinity for uh people that breed bloods and short tails and and not even necessarily the the wacky wild um mutation stuff i mean i i really love a you know like a classic red blood i'm super mm-hmm. partial to stripes because of you know, we had a history working with those, but yeah, just as a species, super underrated, like super underappreciated out there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. People, even as a pet species, you know, like it's a big snake, but it can be kept in a, in a reasonable size enclosure. You know, it doesn't have to have a, I mean, as a, as a big, big animal, it doesn't have to have a giant enclosure. So I think it yeah. makes a really great choice, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Rob. I, I really, and very, very nostalgic for the blood python days. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. So for for those of us uh, out here who are listening who, who don't know uh, the life of Robin pre-Redline, uh, the pro exotic days and stuff, can you can you just let us into that world a little bit? Sure. Um, started back in 1993, um, which is not the not certainly not the first phase of, of reptile industry but one of the early phases right when when we were starting to figure out like this could be like breeding reptiles could be a business you know like a mm-hmm. uh, a business you could do and make money at or lose money at 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mostly lose money. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was pre-internet. Um, so, you know, we had mailing lists for animal availability and stuff. But yeah, we did Pro Exotics from 93, essentially to uh, 2012. Mm-hmm. was my, my livestock uh, breeding days. Um, got into temp guns, brought those to the market in the yes. mid to late 90s, 90, 97 maybe, 98. Yep. And we did really, really well with temp guns. That was a really big deal. Um, still, I think, the number one husbandry tool. And I'm still, I still use my temp guns all the time outside of reptile stuff. Um, 2009, started uh, Shipper Reptiles and started that model and did some really great stuff with that. Uh, 2012, well, 2011, we had a facility fire, and that's really what ended the pro exotics days. Yeah. And that wiped out our whole snake collection, a few thousand animals. We had a, a few straggler lizard uh, animals. Uh, some of the monitor lizards we worked with, um, and the Gila's. We had Gila's as well. Those were in a separate building, so we dabbled with those for a little bit into 2012. But that was just the kind of the end of that chapter of live breeding, and um, concentrated more on on shipping reptiles. And then I had this idea for um, what became the Reptile Report, kind of aggregation of uh, photos, videos, and at the time I wanted to be aggregation of of articles and breeding discussion uh, forums were still alive at the time that you know the various independent reptile forums were still good um so a conversation of that way um so that was 2012 i think 2014 or 15 maybe we started the our heat tape company uh thg heat and yep. uh, kind of took over the heat tape industry um then I split in 2019. I split with my long, long time partner um, and uh, started Redline Science for products uh, late 2019. And then um, 2022, last fall, uh, is when we started Redline Shipping. So time was right and the team was right for that. And uh, that took, took off right away and hit the ground running. And that's been fantastic. So currently... I've got Redline Science for products, Redline Shipping for shipping service. Um, I, I have the Reptile Report myself. I have some staff that obviously helps me with that. Um, and then Heat Tape, we rolled under uh, Redline Science banner. So I'm still doing Heat Tape on that side. Um, I don't have a finger in the temp gun world. Um, after our fire, we actually we sold temp gun business to Rich at Reptile Basics. And so he oh, kind of yeah. took that over. Um, but in the teens, uh, you know, there ended up to be a, a dozen new temp gun brands on the market. So that right. kind of got diluted some. So that certainly is not Rich's main focus. Obviously he does thermostats and cages and hide spots and all of his reptile basics and Bavarium electronic stuff. But he's also partnered up with me in the Redline Ventures. Um, one of one of uh, a number of interesting and, and varied partners, including uh, Rich and Brian Potter and Lauren at Triple L and and Brian Barcheck, and uh, we have we have a number of different characters on our various teams of uh, adventures. So that yeah, that's Thank what you. brings me to today. Uh, Redline's companies are my main focus, and Reptile Report kind of plugs along, does this thing. We're over a million strong on Facebook, and growing yeah. on uh, Instagram. So yeah, that's what brings me to today. I don't keep any um, any live stuff outside of dogs, a couple dogs, but I don't <laughs> keep any live reptiles anymore. I definitely put that chapter to bed after our fire. Mm-hmm. 
it was a number of years. I was just, you know, you just don't have it in you after an, a, a, a traumatic event like that. Yeah. Um, and so we just never picked it back up. And then starting the new ventures and, and the shipping grew. I just traveled too much and, you know, too many trade shows. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I talk about travel too much and Jeremy's probably been in four different States in the last three days. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's a lot of travel. Yeah. It makes it hard, you know, it makes it hard to keep, you know, live animals. And, and, uh, and I, I don't have any interest in the breeding or propagation side of it at all. There's definitely some species I'd like to keep, but um, yeah, just with travel and everything, I, I don't keep anything live anymore. I have to live vicariously through everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes that's the best place to be in. Is just live yeah. vicariously through everyone else. <laughs> I mean, shit. I don't know how you do it, Jeremy. I mean, you're always on the road and always, you know, traveling. And to, to have to balance the needs and, and things out is is got to be incredibly difficult. But yeah, it. Yeah, it definitely. It definitely has its challenges. I, I'm lucky that uh, if if I need it, if I'm gone for an extended period of time, I, I've got Rob not that far away. I can call him and, and he can he can lend a hand. And uh, my roommate, Lenny, is also a snake guy, so I can I can call on him when I need him. And if it wasn't for the team element and, and really good friends, it, dude, it'd be impossible. So, yeah, <laughs> so I totally understand. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that's not to say I don't miss keeping stuff. Like Rob said, I, I miss keeping bloods. That, that would be great to have an animal or two. I really miss a lot of the lizard species. Um, mm -hmm. Gila monsters we bred for years. And what a fucking amazing species. I'd love to do Gila's again. Um, Aki monitors. I was always a big monitor and lizard guy. So I really enjoy uh, that, that kind of a like dwarf monitor species. And then yeah. on the snake side, man, we did some really cool Asian rat snake stuff, the porphyracea, uh, coxi, mm. a lot of synctus and the pulchra. Coxi are one of my top top three probably species. Uh, Mandarin rat snakes, also an absolute favorite. Uh, rhino rat snakes we pioneered uh, in the U.S. I think we were the first, first ones to breed those in the U.S. And that was, gosh, time is all blurred. Late 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then of course number one overall which i think is uh, nobody can truly argue would be bowling python so miss, yep. i missed working with those that was our least successful breeding project of course <laughs> <laughs> i think but that's anyone who works with them that's their least successful breeding <laughs> project <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah yeah no i mean, i i just i remember seeing uh pictures that that we're going up on the pro exotics pages of the cocci and, and the Mandarin rats and stuff. And I just remember drooling over those colubrids were where I really got my, my foothold in reptiles. So like yeah. seeing those was just like, Oh my God, those are the coolest freaking animals ever. And yeah, I mean, you, you guys were the, the rock stars of those species. We, we were crushing it. The cocci in particular, I wonder, I mean, we would produce hundreds of those a year. It was, you know, super yeah. prolific. And even mandarins, I mean, we must have been producing, I mean, it wasn't huge numbers, but, you know, 10 or 15 clutches a year, I think, at least. Wow. That, that's know, which still, for mandarins, for mandarins a lot. that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't get a lot of, even today, there's not a ton of production. I love to follow right. uh, Matt Most. Because um, yes. he's working with a lot of those species that I did. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, his mandarin stuff is way beyond what we were doing. Um, 
as far as like visuals and localities and stuff. So I really, like I said, you just, you end up living vicariously through other people. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy um, the variety of, of stuff that people keep now. Um, it's much more diverse, I think, than it was in the nineties and, and two thousands. And there's, it's so much easier to share info today. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even with the internet in, you know, late nineties and two thousands, it still wasn't what it was today. It was, you didn't, you know, we, we hatched a bunch of green tree monitors, the Prasinas, and I, I could hardly give them away. Like <laughs> nobody knew that you had them. No? Nobody knew. Oh that you had them. no. And yeah. but now you can hatch them and, and, you know, you can have 50,000 people see it within, you know, two, three days. And that's, so it's a much different experience, but um, yeah. Um, you know, we were talking before the show, Jeremy, we were talking a little bit about Kevin at nerd. Mm-hmm. And it's not really him that I live vicariously, but more uh, Tara. Uh, mm-hmm. Tara. Yeah. Her her photos are a mainstay at Reptile Report. And I mean, the animals that she photographs and the way she does them. I mean, I I love almost everything she does. And she has <laughs> actually all the great animals at Nerd. And yeah, you just get to see this great variety of stuff. And uh, yeah. So you, yeah, you just end up looking for great photos, great video, you know, chat folks up at, at shows about, you know, the projects and stuff they're working on. Yeah. I, I'm also a semi-secret nerd for um, sand boas, you know, for whatever reason, I just really dig, you know, Kenyan sand boas, Pakistan sand boas, really cool species. There's just so much cool stuff out there. I, in a different life, maybe a different timeline mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that I would be keeping a bunch of cool stuff. If, you know, if I had the infinity stones or something, maybe I would have a separate existence. <laughs> still be doing reptile stuff. But I'm just yeah. I'm still that I can still be in the industry. That's that was the main goal over the years, right? You just evolve over time. And I'm coming up, well, this is 30 years now. So damn yeah, yeah, man. Long time. That is. And and a lot of keepers go through that, you know, expansion and growth and then shrinking and reanalyzing and then looking at what they really really want to do and how they really want to fit into the hobby and uh, i listened to like uh merlin python radio and eric burke has kind of gone uh from this you know producing tons and tons and tons of babies every year trying to make the most cutting edge thing to now he's like man i i got some diamond pythons in some enclosures and i get to watch them sit and perch under their uv lights and just enjoy <laughs> them and he gets excited to see his ackies moving around and, and doing things inside the enclosures and uh a lot of people will kind of come full circle where they you know think that they really want to get up to this one place and then they find out oh you know that thing that I was interested in when I was a kid is really just where I, I, I that's where my heart is. That's where I want to be right. back at. And, uh, you know, it's interesting think, to see people who have been in a long time where they end up and, and how they end up, uh, you know, relating to the hobby. I think it's hard to have longevity, like over decades without yeah. being able to focus and find the passion part. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The money part, again, fuck, the money part <laughs> is really difficult a lot of times. <laughs> um, but the passion is what drives you over that long term. And I mean, oddly enough, my passions ended up to be shipping. I really, really enjoy the shipping side and, and the service side of things and doing the, you know, providing a great experience, a customer service experience, 
like I don't know, it's it's kind of weird, but I really dig that that side of things, as well as the the animal side as well. But yeah, you if you find the, the passion part that drives you, I think that's the key to to sticking it out long term. Mm-hmm. Even if you make some really really stupid fucking choices in the. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's any number of, of, you know, species and groups that we've tried to do or dabbled in. And you look back and you're like, man, that was so stupid. That was <laughs> right. Like, why yeah. would I, why would I waste my time with that? There's, so, there's <laughs> other people that did that so much better. <laughs> mediocre attempted that, but you know, you also got to live and learn some. True. It's true. Yeah. True. And then you avoiding never know burnout. You try. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Yeah, avo- avoiding burnout, I, I feel, is a, is definitely a big one, especially if you're dealing with a large number of animals or or any uh, larger business side. You know, I, I mean, Robin, over the last thirty years, you, you've had multiple iterations of of business in in the industry. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure you've had to have at some point dealt with some sort of burnout or getting to a point where you're like, man, this is this is exhausting. You know, were were those like key turning points for you to be like, I got to change this up, or was it just kind of like a natural succession of events for you? It feels more natural. I mean, some some of the things were forced. Like you know, our our exit from livestock breeding was forced. We didn't have a choice. Like you know, right. You're, you're breeding and, and doing your thing and being pro exotics on a Wednesday. And then Thursday, that's pretty much over. And so yeah. you know, that kind of choice is made for you, um, which, again, was really traumatizing at the time. And I'm I'm better with it now and I can discuss it. We have this weird little group, a uh, club of fire folks that have had, you know, like facility fires. And yeah. you know, it's a really shitty club to be a part of. But. You know, like Ari had had a fire this past year recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like it's a I can identify with that and understand like how that feels and then what your what your thoughts and emotions are. And, and you know, I chatted them up about it for sure. I mean, I've known Ari a long time and uh, there's a lot of challenges to that. But, you know, again, you have a passion and so you got to find your way forward. Mm-hmm. So sometimes those choices are made for you. Um, other times, like I said, you kind of, you know, you get into a project or you get into a, a direction and then you realize, oh, yeah, this isn't working or this isn't it. I'll tell you what, I, I had a that epiphany moment um, back in the in the late 90s. Um, mm. We were breeding animals really well at Pro Exotics. And we had really excellent, we, we, we didn't, all the stuff we sold, we didn't breed everything we sold. There's a lot of the. Uh, back then you were also buying and reselling, you know, from different sources, different breeders or, and there was more wild caught and imported stuff at the time. But yeah. I, I, you know, we, we thought we could really do a really nice retail store, like a really nice reptile store. We have amazing animals. We're producing a bunch of stuff. Most of the stuff we sell will be our own animals. We have a total passion for this. We can put out some really high end, high quality animals, even if it's just a, you know, a $25 corn snake, it would still be a really nice quality. I'm, I know how much it's eaten. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen it. Eat, I've seen it shed a couple times. I'm confident this is going to be a great choice for for a new keeper. Um, same with like leopard geckos and everything else. And so we did. We opened a really fucking badass uh, retail store. We had a big giant grand opening, and it was covered in Reptiles magazine. And you know, we did a big push. And two years in, I was like, "Fuck, this isn't what I want to do." 
This sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't like yeah. detail. That's not, this isn't for me at all. Yeah. And for yeah. some people it is, um, you know, my good friend, Lauren at triple L he's a retail fanatic. Like that's his passion. He loves retail. He loves the retail market. He loves retail <laughs> theory and philosophy and opening <laughs> stores. And, and he just absorbs all those challenges for me. It's like completely the opposite. I thought <laughs> I fucking hate this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I enjoy working with the animals. I enjoy breeding the animals. I enjoy producing the the highest quality specimen I can and then finding somebody equally as passionate about buying it and then keeping it themselves or starting breeding themselves, you know, working on the pet side, it just wasn't for me. And so yeah, we, yeah. I mean, you know, the store did fine, but we, we just decided to close it because this wasn't our passion. You know, mm-hmm. this wasn't, you know, I, I literally said to myself, ah, this isn't what I got into reptiles for. And so, you know, that was one of those choices, you know, Jeremy, where you, you said, yeah, this isn't what I want to do. I'm going to pivot and go in this different direction. So yeah, that's happened over the years. But at the same time, I mean, in, in, at the heart of it, I'm still entrepreneur. It's like mm-hmm. so many reptile people are. And so the evolution has just been, you know, as the years go by and opportunities pop up, you jump at them and you take advantage. So whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, bringing temp guns to the market or bringing, uh, the, you know, virus and chlorhexidine concentrate to the market um or um reptile report uh idea or the shipping you know shipping concept and idea um yeah you just my brain's constantly filled with that kind of thing and so you you know you find the opportunity and you decide whether i want to take advantage or not and you go for it mm-hmm. heck yeah man yeah i think that uh, a lot of people you know one of the things that when they get into the hobby, they're like, Oh man, I want to breed and sell snakes. You know that I want that to be my, my main thing. I want that to be my full-time gig. And then once they do it for a little while, they're like, I hate talking to people. Why did I want to do this? <laughs> like, well, I, I just like the snakes. Why did I make my whole, you know, e- being able to pay my bills, relying on me chatting up, you know, Chad over here, who's going to ask me, why my uh, striped blood python? What morph of ball python it is? You know, like <laughs> yeah, it, well, breeding, and, and, breeding snakes is a whole different thing than selling snakes. Exactly. You exactly. Know, exactly. Yes, Rob. It's those are two different gigs. Yeah, and you know, uh, I can't I can't imagine that Kevin and Nerd likes to work in a, a retail environment. No, I mean no. he wants to no. be in the back, hands on with animals. And getting super nerdy, no pun intended, on the animals and the husbandry and the breeding and the process. Yeah, I can't imagine he wants to stand out in front of a fucking display cage and pitch, you know, (laughs) the benefits of this particular corn snake or ball python for a new keeper. Like, that's not that's (laughs) That's not not him. It drives him. Right. I mean, yeah. um, And some people are super talented at at multiple things like that. But, you know, to your point, yeah, you, you might think that it's really rad to start breeding uh, a mainstream animal like ball python and 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 compete on that uh, level or do some super esoteric species that nobody else is really doing but yeah once you produce them then you got to put on a different hat and figure out how to sell them and that's it that doesn't appeal to to everybody it's a whole nother thing (laughs) (laughs) going to shows um you know, marketing yourself, marketing your brand, marketing your animals, mm-hmm. uh, 
going on podcasts, I've certainly learned very well, and maybe you guys have as well. Um, some people completely freeze up in front of the camera, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, in person, they're great personality, and and they can you know you can have a great conversation and, and really convey that passion. You stick a camera on them, and they just tighten up and freeze, and they're the most dull person ever. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, but that's another it's another hat you have to wear if you want to. You know, if you want to get out there and reach your audience and if you try to sell shit. That's yep. true. It's true. Rob freezes up before every podcast until he inhales that bowl of ramen. That's, That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that was the, the one thing that like at, at Nerd, Donnie loved that. He's like, I can just walk up and put a camera on you and whatever comes out of your mouth is just good. I, I, I give you like three seconds of prompting and we can film something then. And, and, we'll, and it's something that I can make into a video. And I'm like, I just been doing this for a long time man I, there i have not always put out interesting content or interesting material but after doing hundreds of presentations in front of you know thousands of people and uh you know recording my own videos and editing my own videos i just like you know i understand all those different things to be able to try and make it interesting even if it's something that might not you know so you might get somebody else in front of the camera and it's not quite as interesting you know yeah Jeremy, I'm interested in this because from your performance standpoint, yeah. Um, can, if I booked you for some jazz festival this weekend and it was mm. going to be in front of 40,000 people, does that give you any anxiety at all? Or you, oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it does. I think even, uh, even now I still get nervous before gigs, you know, but I think it's a, it's not a nervous of, like oh man i hope i do good i hope i do good it's more just like the anticipation of what's about to happen you know uh the band that i i work with for the most part now is a band of of guys i've worked with for the last 10 years so i know that we're going to be tight we always have really solid rehearsals and and we and we crush it you know so that's never the concern it's just that like oh man with this gig this gig is coming up it's more like the happy uh angst versus the the nervous angst what if what if i what if somebody put you up on stage with a musical idol of yours would that cause a different anxiety of as far as i need to perform to my ability i need to impress this person i want you know them to understand my talent what i have to offer if if you asked me that five years ago i would say hell yeah I would I would totally be like I got to make sure I'm on my best uh, today. I could I could say I would be excited and, and probably have some nerves there. But uh, after playing for as long as I have, I, I'm and please musicians that might listen to this, don't shoot me. But I, I've become very comfortable in who I am as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, so love me or hate me afterwards. That's on you but I know what I can do. And I know that what I can do is also garnered me the ability to be in that space. So I don't really have to freak out that much. <laughs> so, so you're telling me when you were in front of Tyrese and that other person who we can't name yet, you were not <laughs> nervous. Uh, well, okay. Maybe a little bit, but, okay, okay. <laughs> but not as a, not as a musical idol. Like th- these weren't people that I looked up to it'd be, it'd be different if you put me up in front of like Roy Hargrove or Wynton Marsalis or somebody who like, I watched playing trumpet when I was a kid, 
these guys are just like, man, I really love your music and like you're a, a, an amazing actor and, and all that stuff. So it was like a little a little nerve wracking. But uh, but at the end of the day, it's just like, hey, man, we're, we're all just people. We've got a, a set of talents. And, and I think the big thing for me in that regard is I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was like, you know, at some point you get to a level in your career. And I think this is true for reptiles, too. You get to a point in your career where everybody's good right everybody's good at what it is that they do so you know there's less trying to prove yourself and more just trying to be like hey this is what i bring to the table you know you're either interested in it or you're not and you know like those moments at tyrese's place like with kim burrell and like so many other like amazing grammy winning and award uh, nominated musicians was it wasn't nerve-wracking in that regard it's like well hey i'm in this room too i might i might have a moment of self-consciousness and be like i don't know if i deserve to be in this room but at the (laughs) end of the day it's like no i got that phone call so i i know i'm supposed to be here and what i bring is is different than what you can bring otherwise you'd have gotten the call because you're already here you know, so getting to that point uh, of thinking took took some time. But now that I've entered that that mindset, it's it's allowed me to be a lot more confident when I'm in the room with people. And I th- that applies, you know, like kind of touched on that applies to reptiles as well. Yeah. Like your, you know, your confidence in what you're doing. Um, it takes a while. It takes a long time to build that. For sure. Yeah. In the 1990s, I had no fucking idea on how we were breeding stuff. And we were not, a lot of times we weren't that good at it. You know, again, (laughs) it was much more difficult to exchange information back then, but you know, you were kind of like clunking around in the dark on some of these things. You know, I judge me as you will. I thought it was hard to breed ball pythons for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It, it, because it was a, a bigger mystery than breeding corn snakes and king snakes, which were pretty straightforward. Uh, yep. You know, once, once we figured it out, it was then it became really easy. And the, the key to that was ultrasound was what turned the corner for me to be able yeah. to see, like, you know, how the females are cycling and where they're at in their breeding stage and everything that completely, you know, pulled the curtain back on all of that. And that made a huge difference. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of time was spent trying to learn that, learn your craft, you know, mm-hmm. yes. that kind of more musician uh, kind of approach to it. So. Uh, okay, Jeremy, I, I just have to ask you some more stuff. So yes, do you practice, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you practice every day? You touch your horn every single day? Uh, <laughs> musicians are <laughs> killing for this, but absolutely not. <laughs> no, uh, in, a, in a perfect world, yes, I would. Uh, yeah. part, of the, part of the balance of uh, being the musician and doing the reptiles and, and just kind of existing and having an, a regular life um, I definitely don't get nearly as much time on my horn as I would like um, these days. <clears throat> um, you know, I mean, when I before I moved to start working at Nerd, I was teaching music full time and and gigging a lot. So I was on my horn 10 hours a day, pretty much five to six mm-hmm. days a week. And, uh, you know, my my uh, chops were amazing. <laughs> I could do whatever, whenever, and I was good to go. Uh, in the last, I'll say the last two years, uh, I'm probably like 40% less on my horn. Um, and, uh, the biggest effect has honestly just been a a stamina thing. I can still do the technical stuff and, and exist in that space. But, uh, from a stamina point, I can't do a three hour concert and, and feel great 
anymore. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I, I'm trying to get better at as I try to restructure and regiment a few things, especially as I've been doing a lot more music recently, is even if I don't have a whole lot of time to be on my horn, just take 10 minutes and mm -hmm. do something very simple and fundamental that allows that muscle to be worked out. These, these are fine. The fingers are fine. It's the, it's the lips. That muscle is very fragile and, and fatigues very easily. So doing some kind of simple warm up is a, uh, is a really good way to make sure that it stays in tip top shape. Okay. Rob, same question for you. You, you touch your horn every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes twice a day. So. <laughs> Well, Jeremy said you only need like 10 minutes. So. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you He's a professional. I'm an amateur. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, keep at it. You... <laughs> I'll try better next you'll, time. You'll get there one day, buddy. <laughs> as long as I deserve to be in the room, that's all that yeah. matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. This is this is why we do what we do. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh not limey okay i'm highlighting this only because it's it's worth it limey's <laughs> comment <laughs> there was i mean there were double entendres sprinkled throughout that uh, oh yes 100 percent 100 percent Oh, oh goodness gracious that's we're gonna leave that in that's okay <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> so <laughs> hopping over to the shipping side of things <laughs> yeah uh, uh with redline uh or, or you know moving from the ver various iterations of the things that you've done uh Redline, you said, has become your passion. Uh, what about that really, you know, does it for you? I don't know. It's, I mean, it's kind of weird because it is, you know, shipping. You're providing the service. But I guess, I mean, some of it was, again, tied, tied to, the, to the fire. You know, before, before our fire, when we were breeding animals, it, the mindset was much more competitive. Mm -hmm. right like you you got to breed this thing or this combo especially ball python side to keep up with that other breeder you know yeah mike wilbanks is producing or, or kevin's producing some crazy fucking combo and now i'm looking at my collection like oh shit how are we gonna do that <laughs> i seriously have to spend 40 grand to buy some you know genetic base to be able to in two years catch up with what mike's doing today great mm -hmm. Um, and so it was very always competitive and keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing after the fire. And I moved out of the animal side and, and sort of parallel with the reptile report, like it, the mentality and mindset changed to become, instead of being competitive, I'm supportive of everybody. Mm -hmm. I want to see Kevin produce really cool stuff. And I want to see Mike produce really cool stuff. And I have zero anxiety about trying to keep up with them. I feel bad for the other folks trying to keep up with them. <laughs> but for me, totally cool. I enjoy seeing their success. I enjoyed seeing Ozzy's success. Um, you know, I enjoy seeing Matt Most's success. Um, I really enjoy, what I really enjoy over the, the longer period is the watching other people's evolution. Mm. Justin Kobilko is just a fucking kid. Yup. 
Yeah. And now he's a fucking king of pythons. Like, that's fantastic. And Josh Frogs, he used to just be a dude breeding dart frogs in his bedroom. And now he's yep. got a $20 million a year business. Amazing. I love to it's see nuts. that. Um, Matt at Pangea, same thing. He was just a gecko dude, you know, and now he's got his whole fucking empire. Same with Triple L. Um, I really enjoy watching people's evolution and success. And now I'm able to cheer on that success. And so how that ties into the shipping thing, I'm able to provide a service to all of these different folks in the industry that helps me be a part of their success and contribute to their success mm-hmm. by giving you know, a great discount, great rate on the shipping itself. And, but provide a great service that allows them. It allows the Mike Wilbanks is to reach their, their very large customer base, but it also allows the small breeder to develop their business mm-hmm. and just, you know, just break in. Like, you know, I, I talked to some folks last week, creating an account at Redline, and I, I reach out and, and contact them. And, and, you know, I want to chat them up. Who are you? What do you do? What do you work with? How can I best service your account? How can we best support you? And they're like, well, you know, we, we really just started last year. We're not even going to be ready to start selling until later this year. But, you know, I saw something about Redline or my Redline promo packs or whatever, uh, you know, other people talking about Redline. And so I wanted to create an account and get it ready and set up. It's like, hey, fantastic. You're, you, you know, yeah. you're not a current customer, but I will do whatever I can to support you. By the way, feel free to send any pictures and videos over to the Reptile Report. We'll post them up there and get you more exposure there, get more people's eyeballs on what you're doing and, and your new thing. Uh, so that aspect of being able to support people is a really, really big uh, drive of, of what I'm doing now with, with shipping. And I think that plays a really big part of it. So mm-hmm. I was out of shipping for three years, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of waiting for a little non-compete thing to, to expire. But uh, once it started going again, I mean, it, I just fell right back in full speed and it's just been such a great experience and so fantastic. Yeah. I just, mm-hmm. I, I love being able to support other people and, and seeing their success. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. I think there's also something special about, um, you know, for the customer when they get that, new snake or new lizard or new turtle or new frog in the mail. And, you know, you get your package and you bring it back and, you know, you get to open it up and get to check it out for the first time. There's just something, you know, having a hand in that, even if it's not, you don't get to experience it with, you know, all the customers being able to provide that for people is something that's really, really special. You're a part of that story. You're a small part of that story, that experience. Um, That's another real key thing about shipping that, that I love and, and my staff also really enjoys is when that person calls up and they're like, I've never shipped anything before. I'm scared. It seems a little wacky and wild and unsure. And so we can walk them through the process, get them the right packaging and literally give them the confidence that it's actually a really straightforward process. And we'll walk you through it and get, get you done safely, confidently. And then they make that shipment it goes flawlessly. Their customer re- receives it. They're excited about it. And then they call back and they're like, holy shit, that was an awesome experience. Thank you so much for the support. Like helping that that first process happen is really, really rewarding. And, you know, give people the confidence that, you know, you can 100% do this. You you know, you breed your geckos, you breed your, your turtles, you breed your frogs. Currently, you breed your inverts like crazy. 
you can then get them to that customer and this it totally explodes an entire new world for you you know mm. you can ship anywhere around the country overnight and reach this en enormous customer base and to to help them through that experience you know, like you said rob even if you're just a small part of it, it there's a lot of satisfaction to that for sure yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I was working at, in the pet store uh, for Nerd, you know, getting to share that experience with people, even if I'm just, you know, the guy being like, hey, I think that you would like a corn snake. And then, you know, setting that in their hands, uh, just being able to help facilitate that even in a small way was like one of the most satisfying things, yep. um, you know, just even just have just a little little part in that is just really cool. <laughs> yeah, especially if they're if they're bought in like they're they're down for it. Like, yeah. Um, you know, they want to choose a, a smart species, right. Mm -hmm. And they're going to do a great setup and a great habitat for it. And they're, they're okay that the habitat is five times as expensive as the animal itself. Mm -hmm. That's a fun experience. That's, and that's the opposite of what burned me out very quickly on the, on the retail side was the people that just wanted something super cheap. And then they wanted the cheapest possible setup they could get for it. Yeah, yeah, that shit burned my heart out like that. Yes. That was frustrating, that was right? It's like, no, no, I mean, you well, we didn't sell Nile monitors, but yeah, you want to buy a Nile monitor as your first lizard, and then you're going to get a critter keeper to put it in. This isn't how this works. You're yeah, going to have real. a really great time, I promise, <laughs> right? Right, or you know, or Burmese python, you know, or retic, yeah. you know, as a first. To explain like this is a big commitment this is a really really big commitment and you know a lot of times they'd be like well i'd go down the, down the street and the, you know that retail store will sell me a nile monitor for twenty dollars mm -hmm. you know i'd rather sell you an aki aki monitor for 400 bucks yeah the the caging yeah. and uh food and setup requirements for the first year in the end is going to be a lot cheaper than your big ass now monitor <laughs> mm -hmm. and the experience and the interaction of that species that you're going to have a much better experience. You don't have to commit a whole entire bedroom to it, which I know you're not going to do anyways, but <sighs> yeah, having that, having that discussion was, was uh, a bit soul sucking at times. Cause yeah, some, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not trying to bag on the reptile on the retail side, but you know, to have somebody come in and buy something and make just, piss ass effort for it and then come yeah. back three weeks later and be that's that thing died can let's look at something else let me get yeah. something else no <laughs> yeah, this, isn't, this isn't what i'm in reptiles for i don't want to do this yep yeah that's like aquatic turtles was an, a number one thing i was like people walk in hey i want to get a turtle for my child and i'm like how old is your child they're like four i'm like you don't know you don't no, no, you don't. No, you don't want to buy a turtle for your child. Well, I had one that was like this big and it only lived for like two years. You guys have any of those ones? I'm like, you killed it. You killed it. They all live for well over 50 years. No, 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 no. It's just one that stays this big. It only lives two years. And I'm like, you know, you can't reason with a lot of those people. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a part of the reptile industry now that I'm I'm much more excited about is the move towards more naturalistic setups, yeah. uh, bioactive setups, uh, proper setups, um, mm -hmm. and, and the drive to want to provide for the animals appropriately. Mm -hmm. So yeah. make, make good species choices that you're then going to make great husbandry cage choices for.
I, I see that a lot more. It's a lot more prevalent today than I, I think it was 15 years ago. So that's very exciting, um, you know, to, to see that push towards that. And then, of course, our options are a lot better. The cage options and the terrarium options are, are a lot better than they were 15 or 20 years ago. So, you know, True. everything comes together and evolves together. And so there's some really great choices being made. But, uh, you know, and, and people are choosing just making better species choices for what they're able to do these days. I'm sure the bad side still exists, but I do like to see people making some great choices at the same time and supporting some really cool fucking species. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So speaking of, speaking of great choices and, and customer service, this is the perfect segue. Uh, you recently talked about bringing on a new staff member at Redline yes. uh, that uh, is a huge deal. Uh, care to elaborate a little bit on that one? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, we brought on um, AJ from Shipping Reptiles. Hey. Um, started with us uh, last week, 10 days ago. Um, in my uh, Shipping Reptiles days, AJ was my all-time favorite staffer. She was super talented, super good at what she did. She definitely has a passion for it. And, you know, after I left SYR, I really missed working with her and I didn't anticipate having an opportunity to work with her again. Um, but this year, some different things happened, different things fell in place and the opportunity opened up and we made it happen. So, yeah, AJ had been running SYR day to day operations and really making that company what it is today. And now she's on Team Redline and I could not be more excited about that. And she's smarter within the reptile and shipping business than she was when I left. She's more capable <laughs> than when I left. Um, she's, I mean, she's just grown uh, so much and she brings so much to the table. It's exceeded my expectations on what might be possible. So yeah, really, really big things lie ahead. Um, I'm super excited about it. Um, to touch on something we mentioned earlier. Um, she's a person that, uh, is not going to do podcasts. She won't come on your show. It's <laughs> <laughs> cameras, um, which is kind of a bummer because she's so amazing. She's so awesome. I think you'd really enjoy chatting her up. You could chat her up at shows, but yeah, once yeah. you put a camera in front of her, apparently she, she gets a little freezy on that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we'll work around that part. Um, but yeah, I think as an addition to the, uh, to the red line team, it's a monster, monster pickup, <clears throat> um, huge coup for us. I'm, I'm super excited about it. And I think, uh, yeah, I think we got really, really big things ahead for 23. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, I was I was very shocked to to see her come in when we all went out for a long. I was like, oh, what? what yeah, is you, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy saw the, the secret reveal because I traveled. I took her to um, North Carolina to visit our, our partner, Rich, at Reptile Basics. Um, that's where we get our shipping uh, supplies and packaging stuff uh, filled through uh, the Reptile Basics warehouse. So we went out there and we looked at, you know, cutting foam and, and boxes. And then we looked at all the, the reptile basics process of building thermostats and, and uh, looking at hide spots and CNC caging and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, but yeah, we ended up putting together dinner for, all, you know, a handful of North Carolina folks, including Jeremy. And, uh, you know, I didn't tell anybody I really had AJ with me, but um, she showed <laughs> up. Jeremy's like, why is AJ here? <laughs> this doesn't uh. track. <laughs> it was kind of a, a secret reveal at that point it was still undercover um yeah you know we were still uh, training and, and finding our fit and our way uh but now she's on on the job 100 uh, and 
answering phones and answering emails and stuff. So yeah, the, the cat's out of the bag at this point, but yeah, you were, you were one of the first uh, to see that big reveal there, Jeremy. Heck yeah. <laughs> you look so excited. I was so happy because you, apparently you're a big fan of AJ. So I'm, yeah, I'm, no, man, I, I worked with her in the, in the past and, and she was always, she was always great and super helpful and everything. So yeah, to, to see her jump on team Redline, I, I was super excited because yeah, definitely, definitely a major player for you. And she actually just helped me out recently because I had a package get stuck in Indy. Right. So, <laughs> so she was right on it and, and true to form was incredibly helpful and, and always pleasant to work with. So yeah, it was, it was great to see that she's, uh, she's on team Redline for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially, you know, signing Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true, man. Deal. It's, it's a true. Big deal. I'm, I'm super excited. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. <clears throat> no, so I'm I'm definitely super excited for, for the rest of what 23 has in store for Redline. Um, going to Redline Science really quick, the so the husbandry aspect, having the tools to to do that. What what was the the drive to start Redline Science? to provide that element. You know, that was more entrepreneurial shit. Yeah. Um, the opportunity was there. Um, I was trying to figure out the path forward after my split. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, 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 I have a, a really tre a tremendous group of partners and they all bring something different to the table. And one of the partners is rich at, at Reptile Basics, and he's really, really strong on manufacturing. So on manufacturing, yeah. sourcing products, developing products, he's really strong on that. And so started just having a conversation with him about uh, different products and where there might be a need for some things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just kind of came up with some different ideas um, and started developing the products. I mean, he already sold a, a ton of stainless steel stuff. Mm -hmm. But I knew that there was an opportunity to do, I mean, it's a really simple fucking idea. You could do stainless steel in colors, mm -hmm. like powder <laughs> colors. Yeah. And nobody's really doing that or taking advantage of that. And so I thought, well, what if we did, you know, a line of stainless steel, hemostats and tongs and, and scissors and, and you know, uh, uh, cleaning uh, items and did them in a, in a variety of colors, red and green and, and black and white it would be something different and it would help us stand out from the competition. Yeah. And so we, we hit the ground running with that and that, that shit took off. That sells really, really well. And I, I love it. I think, you know, it's a great product. Um, one of our other partners um, kind of had the uh, uh, idea for doing the cleaning scrapers Our stupid mm -hmm. fucking plastic cleaning scrapers, super <laughs> simple idea. And in, yes, in my history of, of cleaning reptile tubs, it's incredibly frustrating to clean tubs with, you know, stuck on your rates yeah. <laughs> and different things. And, <laughs> and now that I, you know, we came out with cleaning scrapers and we do a blade scraper, like a plastic razor blade. So it scrapes really well, but you know, it's not going to cut your thumb off. And then we do detail <laughs> scrapers with, you know, six different points and, and styles of tips to get into different nooks and crannies. And I remember the different tools that we tried to, use back in the day and i've talked to people that have you know cleaning spoons that they use to scrape their tubs i've talked to people that have what they literally call poop pennies you know, they <laughs> no. to scrape poop out of the radius no. of the tubs and they're like i can't believe nobody ever thought of actually doing a, a scraper to, to accomplish these same things so no. you know again super simple 
product um, and it's been super, super popular and done really well. Um, so yeah, just, you know, you, you talk with your partners and, and I was really excited to, to work with a number of folks that I, I've wanted to work with forever, like on a real partnership business level uh, for years. And just, you know, given the circumstances, um, I was able to put together that team and, you know, like I said, everybody kind of contributed and, and lent, lent their ideas and expertise. And, and we ended up developing a product line and I'm, I'm super happy with it. And I, I love the products. It, ha- it just so happens, you know, that we have Redline Science products and, you know, I manufacture them. So we get them at a, a very nice price and then I can leverage them onto the Redline shipping side and use them <laughs> for promo products and for, you know, bonus stuff. So every time we we send out uh, packaging supplies for Redline shipping, whether you're buying insulated boxes or heat packs or reptile bags or whatever, we include free Redline Science product as well. Scrapers, hemostats different things and the the complement of those two companies just so happened to work out really well and that was uh lauren's idea from triple l you know Hell yeah. Was like, oh, hey, yeah when you're sending out packaging put some free product in there mm-hmm. nobody else does yeah that. yep and i was yep. like yeah, we have access to really great product that's that we get at cost that's a genius idea let's do that so yeah we started we started doing that and that's been a a huge hit and and so much so like you know that we now are selling our actual product packages with a, a bunch of different products and promo stuff in there that the, that's gone over really well so yeah people have been super receptive to it i'm really happy about it and on the shipping side actually we've developed some new, new cool stuff as well um we've, we're doing our own phase packs uh, for shipping um so the phase change uh, shipping packs are a red line shipping product and we just came out with new snake bags um in black so it's a black uh, material, poly material. It's much plusher than the standard, you know, white cotton uh, snake bag. Mm-hmm. And um, that's been received really, really well. People are really stoked about it. And again, super simple product. It's a fucking snake bag. You put a snake in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not complicated. It's not expensive. It's not technological, um, you know, but sometimes you just, you know, you get onto some, you know, great, simple product ideas that go over really well. So um, adding those to, to our uh, selection has been really strong. I'm excited about that. And yeah, we'll just keep pushing Redline, you know, companies forward and uh, hopefully keep growing and growing and, and see where it goes. Dude, hell yeah. yeah dude. I can't tell you how many people would message me and they're like, where do you get tweezers from? Where are you getting your the hemostats from? And I'm like, you know, before I'd be like, well, you gotta just gotta like scour the internet and hope that you can find the right <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, because like, I get a like exactly available yeah. dealers like Reptile Basics, Pangea Reptile. And <laughs> There's the plug. There's the plug. Yeah. <laughs> Heck I yeah, wouldn't. Man. I wouldn't be able to be uh, where I'm at and be successful without an immense uh, support team and and you know the support of of other folks in the industry. Um, you know, the, the, the folks, like I mentioned that actually deal our products, um, other folks that I'm, you know, able to share a lot of quality uh, time with and, and thoughts and, and philosophies, uh, Josh from Josh's frogs, Matt from Pangea, um, uh, uh, Josh, uh, from bio dude, uh, Lauren at triple L it's always great. There's so many good brains in the world. 
um, that, that bring something to the table. I really enjoy having these relationships and being able to brainstorm with folks and, and being able to, you know, take some of the great ideas and, and great strategies and, and things that they have and, and, you know, move forward with it. It's, it's been, it's been fantastic. Oh yeah. Heck yeah, man. That's free. That's, that's awesome. I, I love seeing teamwork really be able to push an idea from the, the beginning stages into, into full fruition and, and then see it, see it be so successful it is, yeah. is always really exciting. Well, one of the, heard, you know, one of the key things I learned was if you execute at a high level, you should be successful. Yeah. There's enough business for everybody. If you execute do your thing really well, there's very, very high chance you can be successful. Rich at Reptile Basics, really, really key partner and, and, and great friend and, and supporter. He, he taught me that. You know, he does a lot of racks and cages. You know, one of the bigger racks and cage guys in the in the industry now. But he also supplies a lot of plastic for his competitors. A lot mm. of the PVC he brings in and then resells to other cage and and rack guys. And his philosophy was, um, I'm going to execute at the highest possible level I can. And when I'm doing that, I can't make enough racks and cages. And, you know, to meet the demand as it is. If I supply K, uh, ra- uh, plastics, if I supply materials to competitors, they want to buy the materials. Great. I, you know, he gets it at a better price than anybody else because he's bringing in such a large quantity of it. But he's fine to support his competitors because he understands that not everybody's going to execute at the same level he does. But basically, he knows that there's enough business for everyone. It yeah. doesn't have to be cutthroat. Same with whatever species. If you're breeding reptiles, whatever species you're doing, you have to identify where you want to be at the mar- in the market, who your customer base is, and then execute at a very strong and high level at, at that point. Whether you want to be super boutique and breed the best fucking possible examples of that species at the very highest price, or you want to breed in, at the midpoint and just produce great numbers and provide and, and meet that demand, you know, there's also, as we all well know, people that produce at a very low level and produce <laughs> cheap stuff. But the, the reality is there's enough customers that want to buy cheap stuff. And they're yeah. not buying from the super boutique guys. They're mm-hmm. buying from the cheap sellers. So you can execute it at a bunch of different levels in the industry and be successful. You just have to do it well at, the, at that point. There's enough business for everybody. If you if you do it at a, at a pro level and you execute at a very high level, you, you can be successful. There's no excuse for it. But it also doesn't happen in six months. True. You know, you've got to put time. You've got to show consistency. You've got to show reliability. You've got to show predictability. People have to be have confidence they can rely upon you to provide great animal, great product, great service, great follow-up a couple of years from now. Like you're somebody that's going to still be there to support them, to give them follow-up info, somebody they can collaborate with later. Like those are all super key. And so th- there is enough business for everybody. Rich, Rich taught me that. And that really opened up my mind to be able to work with all of these different people that in many aspects might be competitors. But, you know, fuck, I'd, I'd rather be collaborative with a bunch of really great minds mm-hmm. than 
sit in my fucking bedroom and sweat it out about who I'm competing with and, and, you know, failing at, and, Oh, I can never, what am I going to do? Breed, breed ball pythons at Justin's level or Ozzy's level or something. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Breed what I, I you heard have, it. Do it at a really high level. You, you'll be fine. Don't worry about what yeah. Justin or, or Bob is doing. You'll True. be fine. Yeah. yeah just execute really well. Yeah, I heard a thing recently that was like, uh, you can only be as good as the three closest people to you or something al- along those lines. The three closest people to you are going to really determine how what level you can really get yourself to. So when you start keeping people at a higher caliber level close to you, you can also get up on that level and, and really, you know, elevate the things that you're doing just by, you know, working off the energy that's coming off of them. Yep. Yep. It's the energy, the expectation, right? Mm -hmm. If you're working with, with super fucking pros, that's the level they're working at. That's their level of expectation. It's hard to hang with them. If you're still way down here, you Mm -hmm. have to have that same level of expectation. And I'm sure that applies on the on the music side as well. Like, you know, Jeremy, you can't hang around with some fucking yokels and some people that are bullshitting <laughs> about their music. Like it just yeah, it doesn't work that way. No, yeah. it's it's true. It's true. And that's that's actually it's funny that you said that because I was literally just having that this conversation yesterday with uh with my music director up in Massachusetts. I, I was like, Man, you know, we we spent so many years fighting for hundred dollar gigs and and arguing and negotiating with venue owners for that. And it's like, man, all I had to do was was change the people that I was willing to network with and, and start dealing with people that executed things at a higher level. And suddenly the numbers shift. Everybody's happier with that paycheck, <laughs> you know, and everybody's happy, you know, and yeah, that's 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 a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff to be done in the reptile industry, uh, for sure. Yes, agreed. Yeah, yeah agreed. Lots of cool stuff. Speaking of which, I don't know if we have time, but um, we have Animal Con coming up, Jeremy. Yes, and yes. That's really where I ran into you uh, first was last year at that event. Yeah, um, and I I know you're going again this year, right? Yep, I will be there. Yeah, uh, I, we will. Redline will be there as well. We'll have a booth. Um, just again, just networking, chatting folks up. I really like the opportunity to meet, especially with an entire younger generation of mm-hmm. uh, creators and and uh, you know the different YouTubers and social media folks that are really into animals and 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 doing their thing. Um, that's going to be an, another great opportunity to meet and interact with that those kind of folks. Not you know it, I can't only network with fucking fifty year old dudes, so um, <laughs> it helps to. It helps to round it out with some younger generation folks that, that bring a lot of, of new, fresher ideas to the table as well. True. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Animal Con. It, it was definitely a fun experience. So I'm, I'm excited because this, this year is going to be bigger, more creators from, more, uh, from different species as well. So, I'm, yeah, it'll be an, uh, a fun weekend for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see if we can get Donnie up on some of the uh, talks. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> see if we can make him feel awkward and uh, uncomfortable yes uh, perfect experiences. Yeah. we need a whole panel discussion on what it's like to petition fwc for body cam footage it'll just be donnie talking for an hour yes i would sit in on that panel <laughs> me too <laughs> 
Oh gosh. Oh man. Okay. So we are definitely, we're definitely rounding down our time, but I wanted to make this one mention because some people, some people have asked Redline, where does Redline come from? And I know it comes from your love of BMX. It does come from riding. Uh, So do you want to just give a little, a little history on that? Cause it's not all snakes and and boxes here. No, no. Yeah. So Redline, um, it, it does source from my, my BMX life. I'm a lifelong bicycle guy. Um, as a kid, I, I was obsessed with BMX bikes. Um, as an adult, it's more mountain bikes, but I still mm-hmm. keep uh, a, a you know a, a collection of BMX stuff, including vintage BMX. At one point, I had over 50 bikes. It was really ridiculous. holy moly! <laughs> Heck yeah, yeah dude. Um, but Redline, as as a youth, Redline was like the premier Cadillac of of bikes. I mean, there there's a couple in there, but it was one of the the most coveted and and you know best brands out there so it's always been near and dear to my heart i i was really focused on collecting redline bikes throughout the 90s 2000s 2010s so when it time when it came time to name a company or companies you know you got to come up with something that works yep um i'm also a bit obsessed about uh the naming of companies the branding of things the marketing of things um, you know, when you when you spell names with wacky letters or symbols or shit that's hard to comprehend or read, it really annoys me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I had to come up with something that worked, something easy to remember, easy to spell, easy to say, mm-hmm. um, something that lent itself to good graphics. I mean, it's literally red and it's a fucking line that's mm-hmm. straightforward. Um <laughs> The colors are red, black, and white. It's a classic color combination. Like that's the that's the classic Redline BMX color scheme was red, black, and white. So also yeah. that worked really well. And then you know, very significantly, it has to be something you can get a domain for a, a URL. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you might want it to be Jeremy'sTrumpets.com, but if that shit's not available, that's not going to work. Yep. And yep. yeah, Redline Science dot com available redline shipping available um redline enterprises which is actually what the the company that owns reptile report is was available so yeah everything <laughs> i i jumped it on a bunch out. of redline domains and, and yeah it worked out it, it, it's um i also didn't want to be too um narrow focused and too niched um for what we specifically did like you know w- when we came up with ship your reptiles and ship your aquatics those are very specific things. So I didn't mm-hmm. want to do, I wanted to have something more general that didn't speak specifically to, you know, I didn't want it to be, you know, Larry's leap and lizard shipping, you know, something <laughs> very, very niche. I want it to be yeah. more open in general that gives me the ability to do a wider variety of things. So, you know, we can ship reptiles, we can ship aquatics and we can ship inverts and I don't have to have a specific and a separate website for each one of those things. Um, so, you know, Redline worked for that. Um, so that's, that was the source of it. Um, there's a, there definitely are a handful of BMX and bike nerds out there that pick up on it. Um, even the graphics are, you know, kind of influenced, uh, by, uh, Redline BMX. So I get, you know, questions and, and quizzical looks at, at shows. Like, is that <laughs> the BMX thing? And I'm like, yeah. Fuck yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, it is. And then you know, and then people want to talk. Oh, I had this BMX, or I had Hutch BMX, or you know, I I had whatever BMX brand back in the day. 
and so you know you get off onto you know some cool bike conversations but yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what it, it, it did source from from bmx but it, it just you know again when you're naming your company you have to think about many many different aspects to is this marketable is it readable is it is it pronounceable is it memorable and uh yeah redline i was just like fuck that hits on all of my points i'll i'm, I'm gonna go with that love it hell yeah dude, dude. Yeah, yeah that's where it's at Hell yeah. And it's like a if you know you know kind of thing where like you, you see people you're like oh i see you yep. <laughs> heck yeah man all right so our one final question is as we wrap this up robin we ask all of our guests what okay. in the realm of reptiles be it something that you're dealing with or something that you've seen online you know maybe through the reptile report what yeah. in the realm of reptiles has you excited about reptiles right now what has me excited about reptiles? Um, you know, I currently uh, I've heard some grumbling about the market itself and it's softening up and sales are softening up. I'm not really seeing that on the shipping side at this point. It's, it's been very strong. Um, the growth of the industry has me excited. Like, yeah. and if you've only been around for two or three years, it's hard to have a perspective of what that really means. But when you look back at, at 2010 or 2012 or, God forbid, 1999, we've come <laughs> such a long fucking way. Yeah, for real. And, like, it's it's more pro than ever. And and the crazy thing is we have a long way to go. We have – it's a total upside. So I, I get excited about um, the uh, position of the industry. That gets me super stoked and about where we can go. Justin Kobilka and Canova. That shit did not exist five years ago. Mm-hmm. Nobody was yep. executing that kind of a level. NARBC Tinley Park, it's existed for 20 years, but it's not what it was five years ago. It's it's more pro than ever. And yeah. and we, you know, when you go and, and look at the vendors and the displays and the setups and the variety of vendors, mind-blowing. The, yeah. the, the thought and the money. And the execution people are putting into their brand and their presence and their marketing is fucking better than ever. And it's getting more and more professional. Now, like I said, it, we have a long way to go. If you go to an auto show or you go to a clothing show or you go to a music industry show or even you go to a hobby show, shit's on a whole fucking other level. <laughs> yeah. So we can we have a long way that we can go and keep improving. But I 100% see these very, very pro folks executing at a terrific level. And it just keeps, we just keep getting better and better as an industry. The standards get higher, expectations get higher. And, you know, whether or not the animal prices fluctuate, um, that, that always happens. Um, mm-hmm. But the industry as a whole just keeps moving forward. And that gets me very excited to see that the different vendors at the show, again, and their different brands, their different presentations. Um, to see videos of the different facilities that are out there. Unbelievable. Love it. I thought we were doing some cool shit at Pro Exotics. It's nothing compared to the facilities and execution that folks are doing now with their collections and the quality of reptile rooms. And, and that, that always gets me excited. I'm a, I'm definitely a business nerd. Like I love the business side and the industry. The CSU is fantastic. And I'm still pestering yeah. Brian 
Park to take Tinley Park to the next level. And I, I'm, I'm sure it's going to annoy some of the vendors, but I think we're the industry is ready for a three day show. When you have mm. you go to these other industries, they're four day shows, five day shows. We go to Super Zoo um, in in Vegas. That's whatever it is, four or five day show. And but it's dogs and cats and birds and everything. It's time for reptiles to be at that level. So it's time mm. that reptiles because you can't do enough in two days at Tinley. That's not enough fucking time. You That's know, true. I get through a third of my list by Sunday afternoon. You know, <laughs> I got a list of things I need to do, people I need to talk to, things I want to accomplish. And I don't get through half of it by Sunday. I can absolutely need another day. And now people are, you know, stressing out. Vendors are are selling as much on Friday as, as they used to sell on a Saturday. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's time that as an industry, we start looking to, to step up that execution and uh, that presentation. And so, yeah, the growth of the industry is what gets me super fucking excited. Dude, hell, hell yeah. yeah, dude. I'm down for it. Now, Tinley's open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm going to be pumped. It, right. Yes. <laughs> well, that, that means you got to go set up on Thursday, you know, yes. which may mean that, you know, a lot of folks are going to have to fly in on Wednesday. And so it's a, that's a much bigger ask. Yeah. It's, it's a, well, you know, in the, but a lot of reptile folks, this is their uh, side gig, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so to, to add another day of the week is you're asking a lot, but it's the growth of the industry. There's plenty of two day shows. There's plenty of one day shows. I think there's right. it's time for our industry to have a big three day show. And where we step up and say, this is big business. This is, this is who we are. This is how we're going to present ourselves. And I think Brian and Bob at NARBC are the ones to do that. I think yeah. they've got the facility to present that they've got the vendor list that would fucking kill it. I mean, yep. you're, you're telling me that Bob's balls and, and Canova and and these types of folks wouldn't absolutely step their game up to to make their presentation that much stronger. Have you seen Gecko Junkies displays? Yeah, man. The entire <laughs> fucking wall. Yeah. <laughs> Gecko Junkie would love to have another day to be able to do what he does. And he, he's another great mind, great young mind in the industry. He has yet to be burnt out and, and and become cynical. He still has time. But the way he executes. And the way the vision that he has is oh, I, it's super inspiring, super inspiring. But yes, you give him three day show, he will step, he will hundred percent step up his game. And that's what I would love to see. I'd love to see the opportunity to, to really step up into a, a whole nother level of industry for what we're doing. I think we, as an industry, we totally deserve it. Heck yeah, dude. Dude, that's where it's at. Uh, I'm going cool. to start the petition. Sorry. Sorry, Rob. I'm going to start the petition for, for Brian Potter. Be like, oh, look, good. man, <laughs> Friday. Happen. I want this thing fucking ready on Friday. <laughs> yep. He knows. He knows. Well, they're going to they're gonna mess around and get that Animal Con thing stretched to five days. Watch. I mean, that, that has a oh, tremendous yeah, upside and, and could be really a, a huge. And it's a completely different show. An experience than a reptile show but yeah i mean even that even that uh show has a tremendous tremendous upside and the ability to grow from there i mean it was it was madness last year you know yeah I, there was there was you know every hour there's new talks but there's multiple talks per hour and i was really frustrated i had to choose like there's three talks i want to see from two to three o'clock i have to choose one of them 
Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, to be able to stretch it out and get more opportunity to see more talks and and more interesting people. And yeah, that that show has a, a lot of upside as well. But yeah, I, yeah. Feel hey, everybody out there, please text Brian Potter. His number is three two three four five 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 five. He he knows he knows, and he's he's you know what he's all about it too. He, he I, whether or not they're you know they have to execute it right. You have to book the facility longer. You have to book right. the hotel longer. You've got to get the vendors on board. So it's going to be a process. But uh, he really liked the idea of of stepping it up to three days. So we'll see how soon they can try and make that happen. But I think it's time. Our industry is is matured enough that it's time to do that. That would be tight. Heck yeah. yeah. Hi, man. Yep. If people want to see the things that you're doing, uh, where should they look you up online? Um, I mean, you can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Redline Science, Redline Shipping, um, you know, for all of your shipping needs, RedlineShipping.com, um, cheap ass plug. You can use Robin 60 uh, for your first two shipments, get 60% off FedEx retail rates for your first uh, two overnight shipping uh, packages. Um, we have a great staff to help you walk through the process, whether you're familiar or not, uh, with the shipping of live animals. We can do it safely and responsibly, which is super key. Um, but yeah, Facebook, Instagram, um, we're up there. You can find us there. I don't do TikTok. Um, Come on, on, TikTok dances. I want to see you do a TikTok dance. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I don't know. <laughs> You pick you pick the day of the week, Robin. It's going to be a different fucking dance, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's different every day. So, well, I can tell you what. I'm glad I don't have Donnie stalking me, trying to film me doing some crazy. <laughs> I know what's going to happen at Animal Con. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. I I think I know what's not going to happen at Animal Con. <laughs> oh man, dude! Thank yeah, you I have so a hard time coming staying on. up on uh, Facebook and, and Instagram. Um, yeah, a bunch of different yeah. platforms. It's is, I mean, it gets you. Yeah, it's it's a lot sometimes, but you do what you TikTok can. TikTok moves even quicker for real. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But thank <laughs> you so much for coming on, man. We appreciate yeah, you for your time. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Time flew by a minute or an hour twenty one. Yes, fast. yeah, man. Yeah, yeah right. by. can't wait to see the next things that you guys roll out because I know that there's more just bubbling up. Oh, yeah. We do have some cool shit uh, happening this year. Absolutely. Hell so, yeah. We'll stay in touch. Hey, thanks Absolutely. for your support. And uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yes, Robin. Thank you again so much. All right. Say, spend time on your horns. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>